0: Visit roberthalf.com today. It's Champions League Wednesday preview time. We got all the conversation going as PSG face Manchester United in a tremendously important game. We also have Lazio Dortmund, Juventus, Chelsea, Sevilla. We got Jimmy Conrad with his easy money and Jonathan Johnson with all the information on PSG from Paris. And it begins right now. Welcome everybody! Ke Golasso Champions League Wednesday Preview Show, and of course, it begins with my man, my brother, Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy, how are you, bud?
1: I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Is <that> we, it? <laughs> we are going to talk about a lot of soccer balls being kicked, a lot of grown men in small shorts kicking the ball in a certain direction, and I absolutely love it. Let's do it.
0: Absolutely, and we begin with Jimmy's easy money, money,
1: money.
0: <laughs> Buckle what you up got your you seatbelts.
1: Buckle up those seatbelts, everybody. We're going to get into it right here. And actually, what's kind of fun is I went down the road of names that probably most people are familiar with and tried to find some good value for you guys within their uh, respective William Hill slots as they were. Let's go to the first one. I talked about this yesterday. But Shiro, the hero, Mobley scoring any time against Borussia Dortmund, plus 120. And I say this, I'm going with the hot hand. I'll be honest. The guy scored in six straight games. And when he's on the field, Lazio are a different team. He led Serian on scoring last year. He outlasted uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. And yeah, sure, people be like, oh, but he scored 12 penalties. Who cares? He still had to score him. You know what I mean? And so Cristiano Ronaldo was taking penalties too. So I don't want to even hear that argument. You guys can stuff that right back down your throats, OK? I was pretty harsh. I went hard there, but I was just kidding. I love you guys. OK, so Chiro the hero to score. Uh, he played for Borussia Dortmund back in 2014, 2015. I just think his his movement in and around the box might be a little bit too much for Dortmund. I think they're going to be, they want to get a result. They, they both teams could use a result here to really solidify their positioning for the knockout rounds and not have to worry about match day six. But cheer the hero is something special. 30 years old, gets better with age. He's a fine wine, the Italian, and uh, I expect them to hit the score sheet. So plus 120 anytime. I think that's good.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good one. And as we mentioned earlier in the week, Borussia Dortmund is not necessarily a fortress when it comes to defensively. They, you know, they lost to FC this weekend. Lazio, Ciro you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. I love it. Uh, By the way, I love it when you do, like, other people's voices.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, what? What? If that happened in MLS, they'd be the worst <laughs> defenders ever. But if it happens in, in Europe, it's fine. And it's, they're just mistakes. You know, anyway, that's my, my kind of- Let's yours, move on, MLS. Jimmy. <laughs> All right, let's talk to the next one. Something to consider for you guys. Cristiano Ronaldo to score first plus 200. And I say that's because he got left off uh, this weekend. He didn't He didn't play against Benevento. And any time that, that Ronaldo doesn't play, Juve are a different team. Very similar to Chiro, the hero, Mobley. He is the best player in Champions League history, okay? Uh, Messi, obviously, is in the conversation. But when it comes to this competition, there's nobody better than Cristiano Ronaldo. He got rested again, like I said, during the weekend. He's going to be up for this. I don't know why they needed to start, and they've already clinched their spot to the next round but apparently they still may be angling for that top spot which is very important if you get top spot in your group you're going to avoid teams most likely like Manchester City and Bayern Munich in the round of 16 you kind of want to avoid those guys as much as possible the fact that he was rested the fact that he's the best to ever do it in this competition I think he's going to come out firing I like him to score first really set the tone against uh, a, a team that they should should beat in Dinamo Kiev uh, it's plus 200 I like that value a lot
0: yeah, that's a really, really good one. By the way, special shout out for that game because uh, Stephanie part, who was the referee for the 2019 World Cup Women's Final, is going to become the first woman to referee a Men's Champions League game when she oversees that one uh, today. So, well done, uh, history being made there. That's fantastic. Let's move on. Jimmy's easy money.
1: All right, I had this one on yesterday as well, and and uh, this is the Neymar to score both teams to score PSG to win. That's plus 500. It's called the Jimmy special. I always pick a player to do that. His team to score and the other team to score. But I really like this value a lot. If if you're feeling like, eh, Neymar's not really my guy. I'm more of a killing Mbappe guy. I think he's going to drive PSG. I get it. That's plus 480. That's really good value as well. The only thing is Neymar takes the penalties for PSG. And I think that makes a difference when it comes into a game like this, especially against Manchester United, who have some, Clunky center backs. That's a kind way of saying it. Harry McGuire, not always the quickest of his feet. You know, Victor Lindelof known to make mistakes as well. Juan Basaka does take a lot of risks, even though he's a tremendous defender. He does leave his feet quite a bit. So I could see a penalty in this one. And, and uh, we saw in the last match day that uh, Neymar scored a penalty. I like this value. One of the world's best players PSG need to win this game. It's so it's, I can't, I can't emphasize enough how important this game is for PSG. The fact that uh, United aren't very good at home, they're really good away from home, Not I a mean, little little uneven at home. I think that gives PSG even better odds. I think them not playing in Paris probably relaxes them a little bit. They know what's at stake here, and I think they're going to be up for it. And I think Neymar in particular is going to have a good game, and I think he's going to hit the back of the net.
0: Yeah, and penalties aside, he's also one of the key free kick takers as well, especially with anything that he takes from the right foot. So an absolute bargain right there.
1: What's I the do. last one? So so I have the parlay Parte. I have... Well, almost all Spanish teams, so it's not La Fiesta, Parliesta, but I got Barcelona to win, okay, to beat Ference even though Messi's traveling, but probably won't play unless they really need him. He's going to come on as a super sub. That's I haven't seen any lineups yet. I don't know any inside intel, but that's just my assumption on everything. And then both teams to score. And you might be thinking, Ferenc Varosh, really? Like, they're going to score against Barcelona? Listen, they got Mingueza, 21-year-old. He's only played two career games for Barcelona, and he's done well in those two games. Don't get me wrong. But He's only got two career games and he's playing center back and then they have de Jong, frankie de Jong, who is uh, he's not the most fleet of foot very similar to harry Maguire. well he's better than harry mcguire going forward at least but but defensively they're going to put him at center back as well because Lenglet apparently had a, a muscle injury here in the last you know four or five days pk's out uh umtiti's out uh everybody's out arujo's out everybody's out for like the proper center backs for barcelona they're really makeshift I think the front three of Ferenc Faroche is very good. Number 10, Takmak in particular, is awesome. I love watching him play, the 27-year-old. he, he is, He's always doing something. They're very good on transition. I think they can sting Barcelona and get a goal, but I think overall Barcelona's quality will get them the win. So I like that one. Barcelona to win both teams to score plus 150 by itself. Okay, that's very important, plus 150 by itself. But if you parlay with it, parlay, and combine it with Sevilla and Chelsea both to score that's it you don't need a result just both the score that's minus 130 by itself but if you combine those two it's plus 342 and I like Sevilla and Chelsea they, they if you remember match day one Luis oh my I want all 90 minutes of my life back of that Sevilla Chelsea game is at Stanford Bridge and it was 0-0 and they were very conservative but that's match day one so I get it if you're playing that the hardest team in your group on match day one You're going to pick your spots and play conservatively because you have another five games to go after this one match day five is different. Now they're both tied on top of the table in their group with 10 points. And again, like I said before, you want to get that top spot. Chelsea in particular doesn't want to play Bayern Munich again in the Champions League. They always get slapped around by Bayern Munich. So they're going to want to get that top spot and avoid them at least until the quarterfinals or semifinals or whatever it may be, assuming they go that far. So I like them coming out swinging and I like both teams to score. You don't need a result. Like I said, so if you combine both of those things, the parlays plus 342 i mean you could do worse that's what i'm saying
0: yeah and listen like uh, uh one more note about french virus like even though like they've been you know knocked around a little bit they have scored in every single game they've played so you know that is echoing supporting jimmy's easy
1: money 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 that's what i call a fun fact Fun it. fact, luis over there
0: i love it all right let's move on uh after jimmy's easy money let's focus on um Manchester United and PSG. We have Jonathan Johnson later on in the show, everybody, to really give us the lowdown on PSG and this must-win game. But I wanted Jimmy's thoughts on Manchester United, who um, had a tremendous comeback against Southampton. Uh, They're looking good in the Champions League, obviously, uh, you know, with all things considered. Because right now, as we speak, they're topping Group H with nine points. So, you know... Uh, a draw is good. A win is better, obviously. Uh, against uh, arguably, you know, one of the toughest teams in the competition. How do you see Manchester United in this one? You know, we're still we're still trying to figure out who Ole Gunnar Sasha is when it comes to <laughs> and trying to figure out. But how do you see this one?
1: Well, I'm trying to figure out what lineup he's going to go with because De Gea is out for the most part. He's doubtful. I think Dean Henderson's going to get a start. He's been thirsting for a, sp- a start for a long time. Uh, Alex Tellez, who I think does make a difference at the left back position instead of Luke Shaw. Uh, He looks like he might be doubtful as well. Pogba, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Fred will probably be in there. Now, I think I said this recently, but Fred has started 11 games and they've won nine of those, drawn one and lost one. So there's something about Fred. And when I talk to my Manchester United friends, they're like, I don't like that stat because they don't like Fred. They don't think he can pass to save his life. If it's a pass over 20 yards, you, you, you don't give the ball to Fred because he's going to miss the pass, you know? So there's like this love-hate relationship with Fred. They understand how much ground he covers and how well he does to protect the back four. But if they had anybody that had like deep line playmaker abilities that had his defensive prowess, you know, they might be on to something. But, but uh, so Fred lacks a little bit in some areas, but obviously tremendous in others. And so I think he'll start. McTominay, I wonder if they go with a double pivot. That's the big thing. I like when United only have Fred or McTominay or Matic. I just think they move better, especially when you have Bruno Fernandez and potentially a Donnie uh in mid- midfield. Cause those guys look for each other, the way that they combine. Uh, I love the way, and not surprisingly an Ajax player plays, right? So Van de Beek comes over from Ajax. He's not getting as many minutes as I think he hoped for, but when he gets on the field, he just plays simple. And that simple, style of play unlocks a lot of things and when you're going to have a lot of immediate pressure like a team from psg if if neymar lose the ball mbappe Di maria anybody up top they're going to try to immediately pressure okay that's a hallmark of what they try to do and most i think teams top clubs are trying to do that if you have a player like vander he just plays simple out of it now fred has the ball in those situations that's a good thing for psg i really feel like psg is going to do everything they can to kind of trap it and really just force the ball to fred and then almost back off of Fred, because I think he tries to do things he's maybe not capable of consistently. So there's a lot of these little subtleties and tactics that I'm actually going to be paying attention to, to to PSG on the defensive side of the ball when they lose it and how they press and where they try to win it. Now you got Bruno Fernandez, uh, who's, who's tremendous. You take him out of the team. I think you can see how much, how, how important he is. He really is the guy that makes everything tick. Uh, tremendous leader as well. I want to know if Edinson Cavani starts. I mean, I think that's the biggest story. I was kind of saving it for last. He played for PSG for a number of years, beloved by the club and the fans. Didn't work out. They, they let him go for free or he left for free. He was tired of his time there or whatever it was. I don't know all the intimate details. But United get him. And, yeah, they're paying him a big wage. But the guys already proved it. You know, he had a tremendous, tremendous second half. Came off the bench and had an assist and two goals to help spur the comeback and lead the comeback uh, over Southampton three to two. He's, he's picking the right time to be red hot. And I think that Man United are different when he's in the team. And that goes for a lot of teams that are maybe lacking a true number nine. We can see with RB Leipzig, like another team in their group, they lost Timo Werner. They lost a little something that makes them unpredictable. And they have Yusuf Polson, who's okay. But, but all of a sudden they become... More a little more one-dimensional. I think RB Leipzig is struggling because of that. They lost that unpredictability. Now you add Cavani in there who gives them a little bit of a some grit as a number nine. And now Rashford and Martial for me become infinitely more dangerous because you have to also pay attention to Cavani, you know, and and he's gonna draw attention and two center backs, and that's gonna open up passing lanes and space for Fernandez and Martial and Rashford to do their thing. So uh, that's a great game. I, I just don't know what the lineup's gonna be because I could sit here and Hem and haw about you know different combinations of players but uh, I'm excited for this one there's a lot at stake and Manchester United just need a draw to, to book their ticket to the next round PSG need to win it's not that if they lose it, it's not completely out of their hands but they would need some help and you never want to be in a situation where you need like Manchester United to give you some help because you can't count on that
0: <laughs> well some updates by the way on everything that uh, Jimmy just discussed uh, David O associate did reveal that David de had trained on, on on Tuesday today okay. Great. So he's fit, he, he reportedly, okay. for PSG if selected. Also, Anthony Martial did travel, but he had an illness in the that's first right, night. He stayed right. in the hotel, the night, but apparently that. he is also uh, up for contention. Paul Pogba could be available to make his 50th Champions League appearance following that ankle injury. Uh, Donny van de Beek is expected to also shake off a minor ankle problem. And um, Axel Twan serves a one-match suspension uh, suspension while Luke Shaw remains out. The and Cavani part, obviously, we know, as you may or may not know, uh, he's also facing a, a pro with the FA uh, due to a social media post. I'm not even going to get into it because I have my own opinions and they're very strong. It's just going to be yeah. a one-hour long comment. I, yeah, I understand. But um, they uh, – so that's one situation. But I think you make the most – the biggest point, which is what I saw uh, this past weekend which is when you have somebody like Fred in the middle and Bruno Fernandes pulling the strings and you have somebody like Cavani who just draws people in as a number nine and you have two super uber-talented attacking players on the width, they make Manchester United so dangerous, so, so dangerous because no longer are you thinking about pace. Now you're talking about, you know, a poacher, somebody in the air, and, oh, no, we got Bruno Fernandes right behind him, like, trying to – so that's a major headache for PSG, um, and, and I think that that's going to be the key. I think it's very important that Martial takes part of this game, I think. He's a big part of this, uh, wh- wh- wherever kind Ole of puts him in. But it's a big one. It's a big game, right?
1: So I'm looking at – it's a huge game, uh, and one of my favorites of this match day. I would say – I'm looking back at the lineup that Manchester United rolled out, in Paris to win, on match day one when they won two-one. Yeah. And I thought they deserved to win that game. You know, overall, they they were the better team on the balance. I thought they had some good spirit. Rashford ended up scoring that goal very late. They had Rashford and Martial. They were in a 3-4-1-2. Ultimately, Tellus is out wide, you know, kind of the left back, floating back. Juan is the other wing back. So they're really in a in a back five. And then they sat with two holding midfielders, and like McTominay and Fred, and basically just had three attackers: like Martial, Rashford, and Fernandez. I don't think that works this time around, but I could see Ole Gunnar doing that because it worked before, you know? And so I'm hopeful that he takes a little bit more of Cavani's presence into into consideration. Uh, The fact that they can be very successful in that space with Fred uh, running the point by himself in front of the back four, and then that allowing them to have one more player that can allow them to transition. It's one of those things where, okay, if you're a defender and you win the ball and you're obviously going up against three of the best you know, attacking players in the world, Di Maria Mbappe and Neymar are no slouches. You're going to be pretty tired, I think, chasing. And when you have the ball, you don't want to have to think you have to make this killer 30-yard pass through four guys to thread it to Fernandez, who's ahead of you. You want to have somebody that can link that up. And I think Vandebeek would be a nice, a nice fit there. So I hope he gets away from the double pivot. To your point, the spine of the team is becoming a lot more solidified. You have Cavani you have fernandez and you have fred now if they had two world-class center backs like they used to have rio Ferdinand and Vidic, we're talking about a team that i think could push for the title but i still think there are a few players away and, and to really identify or having that consistent lineup and that's what i think they're still trying to find and that's where i think maybe the lack of experience even though ole gunner's got a lot i think he maybe either overthinks it or doesn't think about it enough i don't know i haven't really decided yet on ole gunner we're still on the fence about him luis but but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a great game. And, and just to, to further my point, and I know uh, JJ is going to come on here and talk about PSG, but they could use, and you could ask him, they could use a nine as well. Like the fact that Cavani is gone, it's changed their team. Like it's it's it doesn't open up the same types of gaps for Neymar and Mbappe. Like people can double team them in a, in a, in a way they couldn't before. But if you have Cavani up there. The center backs are occupied. They, they can't go help double all the time against. And so it allows Mbappe and Neymar to be in one-v-one one situations. maro Cardi has been hurt all the time. You know, he hasn't really got going. Uh, Moise Keane, I really like, but, you know, they lost Chupamotin as well to Byron. Like, they just need a presence. And it makes a big difference for the really talented guys out wide to to really have a bigger impact on the game. So we talk about teams that need a nine. PSG needs one for sure. And the sooner maro Icardi can get back on the team, I think they're going to, at least be a little bit more uh, dynamic on both sides, as opposed to being kind of predictable. Like, all right, it's going to be 1v1s. Who wants to defend Mbappe on this one? Okay, it's Neymar's turn. How are we going to stack him up and make this difficult? And even Neymar came out recently and said, we, we're not so predictable, but we, we, we just need to not be in 1v1 situations. We need to play together. And I thought that was a really interesting comment ahead of this game.
0: Well, Jonathan Johnson will give us the entire lowdown on PSG uh, after the break. And before we say goodbye to Jimmy, give me your score prediction.
1: On this game? Yeah. I will say, because I went with the bet of Neymar scoring and PSG winning and both teams to score, I'm going to say 2-1. I think, I think PSG will win by a goal. I could see a 3-2, but, but I'm going to play a, a 2-1 here and uh hopefully making some some cheddar on the way to the bank when Neymar scores as well
0: yeah no I was actually gonna go originally with a 3-2 and I'm gonna stick with that PSG to win 3-2 it's a game they must win but I'll ask Jonathan Johnson later on as well Jimmy Conrad always good to have you brother and Jimmy will be back to recap all the action as well of the week Jimmy thank you so much brother
1: I can't wait I love kicking soccer balls and talking about soccer balls (laughs) thank you (laughs) man see ya
0: Welcome back, everybody, to Gago Lasso. We have Jonathan Johnson, JJ from Paris, who will talk to us about PSG and their must-win game. Before we do that, JJ talked to Mitchell Backer, the PSG uh, defender, all about the Man United game, uh, and, of course, just his overall objectives with PSG and how far he thinks this team can really go. Listen
2: to this. Of course, it's a important uh, important match for us. Um, uh, at home we lost. Uh, they are strong. They are good. They are good players. But we have to prepare uh, good for the for the match. We have one week more. Um, Saturday we play against Bordeaux. First uh, the match in the competition, and then we can go uh, to preparation to uh, to Manchester. Uh, we have to, I think, but with the quality what we have, what we have, and the club. It's a big club. A lot of quality. The players. What yeah, in the team, of course, we have to do the same thing as last year.
0: That was Backer right there talking to our very own Jonathan Johnson. Uh, a few good things to say there. Kind of optimistic, but, you know, granted, such a big team. JJ, PSG, a must-win game against Manchester United. Talk to us, first of all, the latest on PSG squad as they face the Red Devils.
2: Yeah, so obviously a lot of pressure on PSG coming into this one. Thomas Tuchel once again in the firing line after a disappointing two-two draw at home to Bordeaux over the weekend. Uh, you know, as we as we heard from uh, from Becker, I don't, I don't think it was necessarily over ambitious of PSG to be targeting uh, you know a repeat of last season, if not going one step better at the beginning of the campaign. It's just that the the way that this season has gone so far for PSG, uh, you know, makes that obviously. Uh, you know, quite an, an optimistic outlook uh, at this moment in time. It, for PSG right now, it's all about getting out of this group stage now into the latter stages, uh, uh, getting back as many of the players into top condition as possible then ahead of the, of, of the knockout rounds. But in terms of the PSG squad, PSG uh, will be boosted by the fact that they have Presnell Kimpembe, Idrissa Gay coming back from suspension. You know, those are two obvious uh, players who will probably walk straight back into the starting 11. Gay was on the bench over the weekend against Bordeaux, but uh, you know, he will probably come into that midfield when you bear in mind that Marquinhos. Uh, who was also absent against Bordeaux will probably move back into the defense and be paired uh, with Kim Pembe. I, I think backer is likely to start at left back, considering that uh, Kozawa has had a, a couple of physical issues recently. Uh, Navas is back in the squad, so obviously he'll be between the sticks. It uh, wasn't the most convincing of performances from Sergio Rico over the weekend, so that will be reassuring. Uh, for Tuchel and uh, Florenzi, will we'll complete the defence at right back. I think that is the key area uh, for PSG. There's not been that much continuity in that area uh, so far this season. And also remember, it's the first campaign for a long, long time where PSG don't have Thiago Silva marshalling them at the back. Uh, and then the obvious big addition to the PSG uh, side is probably going to be Mark, uh, Marco verratti coming into the midfield, was able to start uh, and and play quite a a lengthy match against Bordeaux, which is a big, big uh, boost for PSG and Tuchel. Uh, I imagine that he will be part of the midfield along with Gay, uh, and then we'll see how Tuchel uh, completes that that midfield. You'd assume it would be a trio. So for me, it wouldn't be a a huge surprise to see somebody like Leandro Paredes uh, complete that three in the middle, and then it's up. To, to Tuchel who he favors in attack, you'd imagine that Neymar and Mbappe are two of the three uh, in that front line and probably Angel Di Maria which would mean uh, that you'd have someone like Moise Ken coming off the bench uh, but if uh, you know Tuchel wanted to throw a curveball uh, towards Oleg Gunnar Solskjaer for this match perhaps he would go uh, with somebody like Ken uh, and and perhaps leave one of Neymar or Mbappé on the bench and have them coming off of the, the bench uh, you know to, to provide some impact we know that they've been uh, struggling physically recently Tuchel won't be able to call on maro or Pablo Sarabia in this match. So it's going to be a question of how the German best handles uh, his players in terms of the, you know, the the tactical uh, outlook for this match. Let's not forget, uh, you know, when the pressure has been on, Tuchel and PSG generally have been able to deliver the performances when they need them. They've gone to Old Trafford in the past uh, and gotten a result with a very good performance. Uh, And Thomas Tuchel will be looking for more of that that we saw uh, back in early 2019 uh, you know, obviously without the threat of the, the second leg implosion there.
0: Interesting choices for Tujo up front. I can't even imagine Neymar on the bench or Mbappe on the bench, but it does make sense, I guess, to have a more natural number nine if Moise Kane comes in. And Angel Di Maria, of course, facing his former club. How? Listen, JJ, we've been talking to uh, Jimmy a lot about, you know, just, you know, Cavani, obviously, on the Manchester United side, a former PSG player, just... How badly, you know, are they missing Icardi as well? Just, you know, somebody like a a, a sort of target man that can really just, you know, draw in defenders, score, be a poacher. You know, it's been, I think that's been a major problem, don't you think?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think, uh, you know, having Icardi out of action for such a long period of time was part of the plan for PSG coming into this season. Uh, You know, obviously they paid out uh, big, in order to secure him on, on a permanent basis uh, back when, uh, you know, the we were sort of in the first couple of months of the coronavirus crisis. Uh, you know, and obviously that decision has, has come under uh, a lot of scrutiny uh, recently because Icardi's not been uh, back on the field. So obviously once he is back uh, fully fit and able to play, uh, you know, sort of the 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 most part of matches, then that will be a, a big boost for PSG because obviously it's another different kind of profile uh, for for PSG to line up with. Uh, the one thing that I would say that is probably the the concern with Icardi at the cardi at this moment in time, aside from the fact that he's been out of action for for quite a while now with the with this knee problem, is the fact that. When he was playing, he wasn't in the, the, the best form of his life. It was not the same uh, same Icardi that we'd seen over the first half of the season, uh, last season when he was on loan. And because of that, it's going to take a while to get him back to his best form and, and, and fitness. Uh, I think it's something that PSG are definitely going to have to try and work hard on over the winter break uh, with a, a with a view to having him... You know ready for action uh come the the second half of the season when everything gets back underway in early 2021 obviously the the plan will be the uh, for PSG to be in the latter stages of the Champions League and then Icardi coming in could be a big boost for them there uh but yes obviously at this moment in time not having that uh, that that striker uh, of that profile uh, is is a big loss for them you know we saw how Edinson Cavani was able to rise to the challenge of the the competition from Icardi last season and win his place back from him after a very difficult first half of the campaign. And without somebody like uh, Cavani to turn to now, uh, that's meant that PSG have had to find somebody new to fill that void. And, uh, you know, Moyes Ken has, has done a very good job of that uh, so far. Uh, and that is part of the reason why I, you know, I I wonder if Tuchel is going to perhaps try something tactically innovative uh, coming into this game against United because we've seen uh, Mbappe and Neymar, uh, particularly Mbappe, you know, struggling in front of goal in the Champions League over the last year. I mean, it's crazy to think that it's been almost a full calendar year since Kylian Mbappe found the back of the net in a Champions League match. It was Galatasaray in the final uh, match of the, the group stage last season when he, when he last put the ball in the back of the net. Neymar obviously has, uh, has scored since then, uh, you know, the matches against Dortmund uh, also against Leipzig with his penalty last week as well. But Tuchel is still waiting to see both Mbappe and Neymar firing on all cylinders uh, and you know, I, I wonder if he's going to try to take a bit of the pressure off of them. We know how much Angel Di Maria likes going back and playing against Manchester United. We saw an absolute masterclass from him the last time that happened uh, in 2019. I imagine that Tucker will be hoping for more of the same creativity uh, from him in order to create the chances, uh, you know, for whoever is partnering him in the attack. Uh, I'm not saying that the PSG definitely won't line up with both Neymar and Mbappé from the start. It's just a possibility considering the the, the struggles that PSG have had in front of goal in the Champions League uh, recently. Uh, that that makes me wonder if that's something that Tuchel might consider trying. Uh, considering that Moyes-Ken, when he's playing, is, is scoring goals. We saw him putting the ball in the back of the net again against Bordeaux over the weekend. You know, he's a guy in form. He's feeling confident at the moment. He'll also be motivated by the fact that it's an opportunity to show the English audience uh, that he didn't really get to impress uh, while he was with Everton, you know, exactly what they're missing. So I, I think there are going to be a lot of players in this PSG side uh, motivated to perform. And obviously, Edinson Cavani will, uh, will look to show what PSG what they're missing as well on the opposite side.
0: All right, let's finish up with Group E. Uh, Chelsea Sevilla are through. Uh, no need to talk about them. But I want to talk about the third and fourth uh, teams, actually. Krasnodar facing Rennes, uh, both a point each. Why is this game, in a way, kind of, you know, uh, watchable, I guess? Why is that important?
2: Well, obviously, it's going to be a a shootout between the two of them for the the Europa League berth. Uh, But I think the thing that I think I find most interesting about this game coming into it is the way that being in the Champions League group stage has adversely affected both teams' form. I mean, if you look uh, at their results since playing each other uh, at the beginning of the group stage, they've pretty much mirrored each other. I think Ren have drawn one match more uh, than Krasnodar, but both sides have basically only won one match each and, and lost pretty much the rest of them. So it's, uh, you know, really um, had, a, had a bad effect on, on their season. Renner dropping down towards mid-table. Uh, Krasnodar placed 10th, I think, out of 16 teams in the Russian Premier League. Uh, and, you know, they've now got the coach uh, who, under pressure, potentially, uh, you know, looking uh, down the barrel at being sacked if they, if they don't win this match. Uh, and make sure of a, a place in the Europa League. So it's, there's a lot riding on it for, for both sides. I'd say that there's probably a bit less uh, riding on it for Ren than there is for Krasnodar uh, with Musayev under pressure. But also, you know, they're both, both sides are new to the Champions League. They're both debutants. Uh, neither of them will want to finish their maiden campaign <clears throat> at this level by finishing bottom of the group without even picking up a win. So I think that there will be a lot of motivation on both sides and that that will create quite an entertaining spectacle, an unexpectedly uh, attractive match between two teams that haven't generally played the most pleasing football so far this campaign.
0: All right, let me finish up with this, JJ. January is nearing. We all know how good, talented, amazing Eduardo Camavinga is. Uh, I take it... That January usually, unless you're talking about your Virgil van Dijks, of course, and players like that, in unique situations, January is not exactly a time where teams are willing to let go of their stars. But, you know, he's young, Ren is playing for a little bit, not as much, especially if they don't go through to the knockout stages, which is obviously that's what's going to happen by Europa. We'll see. Would Eduardo Camavinga go anywhere in January?
2: I think the the real question is which clubs could afford Eduardo Camavinga in January because the, you know, the current situation is is not going to change overnight. Uh, You know, we're probably looking at it sticking around for the majority of the remainder of the season. Uh, And that's obviously going to impact the clubs who are interested in in signing somebody like Camavinga. You know, we've heard Real Madrid and PSG in particular mentioned regularly uh, when Camavinga's future has cropped up. There's also been suggestions that he could uh, potentially sign a contract extension that would keep him at Rennes uh, and obviously maintain his value throughout the remainder of this crisis uh, and probably enable Rennes to cash in on him uh, once it's all blown over. So for me, I don't think that the big question for Ren is is whether they lose somebody like Camavinga uh, this January because I don't think anyone's going to be able to stump up, uh, you know, the the sorts of sums that, that would be needed to prise him away from the club at this moment in time. Also. I don't think that dropping into the Europa League for Rennes would be the worst thing, especially for somebody like Kamavinga, you know, he's still very untested at, the, at this level. Uh, you know, so I think that if Rennes were able to, to make a real good go of the, the latter stages of the Europa League, dropping into it is not the worst thing in the world for the development of some of the players in that squad. Uh, I think that they would, be able to be a, a decent force in the Europa League and I think Kamavinga would really uh, benefit from playing some more matches at a continental level uh, just not in matches where they're getting outclassed uh, as they have been uh, in the majority of this group stage when coming up against the likes of Chelsea and Sevilla so I don't think that Camavinga is going to be the main worry for Rennes coming into the January transfer window however the Injury to Seiru Ghirassi, uh, which sees Mbai Niang uh, coming back into the, the Ren squad is going to be an interesting one because Niang was probably the player that Ren might look to, to cash in on. Uh, having gone out of the Champions League, we saw uh, a loan move to Saint-Étienne fall through uh, just after the, the most recent transfer window closed. It, he's made it clear he, he doesn't see his future at Wren or didn't see his future at Wren. But now, uh, after having pushed for a move that didn't happen, he's getting a reprieve. Uh, and I just wonder what a, a good performance from him in Russia uh, could mean for perhaps uh, one or two other members of the the Ren squad and whether him returning to form might either earn him a move away in January or might push ren to look to move somebody else on. I just don't see that guy being... Kamavinga at this moment in time, it wouldn't make sense for Ren. And I still think that there is something to salvage uh, from this season with an eye to the future uh, if they do drop into the Europa League. But that said, uh, you know, I do think that they really need to do themselves justice uh, in Russia and, and get the win against Krasnodar.
0: Jonathan Johnson from Paris, with all the information that you need, JJ will come back as well on Wednesday to recap the action for Golasso Pod. JJ, thank you so much, brother.
2: Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on and catch up later this week.
0: I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and Jonathan Johnson for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Golasso Pod on Twitter and listen to us. If you're listening to us on CBSports.com, that's great. Thank you so much. But go to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, go to Stitcher, And make sure that you subscribe. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, please drop us a question, leave a rating, and review. This team at Kego Lasso is growing and growing and growing. And we're here every single day to give you the latest from the greatest sport in the world. We'll see you next time.